So, Cody, um, my recording studio. How do you, how do you like the recording studio? Um, I think it's nice. I bought it when it was distressed. Well, that's fancy. <laughs> You're supposed to say what Raylan says. I, <laughs> Unlike I, now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like something smart alecky, uh, like Raylan is uh, want to do. Honestly, as far as TV shows and movies characters go, I, Raylan's probably in my top five of I wish I could be like that guy. Timothy Oliphant is that guy in my mind. Why is he so cool? He's just cool. Um, yeah, I don't have a good answer besides he just has it. He whatever might, it is. Yeah, like what he might be this generation's Clint Eastwood in a way. Because like Clint Eastwood wasn't someone you looked at and thought, oh, big, strong, tough guy, right? Like he was a string bean, kind of like Timothy Oliphant. But there's just something about them. They're wiry strong they, is, is what they look like. And he's just cool. They, they exuded this sense of coolness while, you know, not being perfect characters. Usually they were on the side of the law, as Timothy Oliphant usually finds himself. He's the marshal in this show. Uh, but, but he doesn't always do things by the book either. He blurs the lines. Yeah. And so there's just something about him, and and that's probably the highest compliment that I could give Timothy Oliphant. He's maybe he's this generation's Clint Eastwood, or maybe Clint Eastwood was his generation's Timothy Oliphant. True that. True that. Uh, hello, welcome. This is Pop Culture Pastor Watch Alongs. We go episode by episode with you. Uh, right now, we're doing Justified City Primeval. And uh, it's picking up. The story's story's starting to pick up a little bit. It was in fuego this week. Yeah. What'd you think, just broadly, of the episode? Um, I was all about it. And um, Boyd Hallbrook has submitted himself as a a good villain for yeah for Raylan. Yeah, coming off the summer where. He was probably one of the few good things about Indiana Jones' Dial of Destiny, uh, his bad guy in that movie, and maybe yeah, he's cementing himself as a as a bad guy du jour. Mm. I'm not sure what that means, but sounding fancy. I'm going with popular usage. Um, I mean, he did a good job in Logan. It's the soup of the day. <laughs> mm, that sounds good. I'll have some of that. Yeah, he was good in Logan. Sorry. I was still on DuJour. I was thinking DuJourno. Ooh, that does sound good. Uh, anyhow, yes, welcome. This is Watch Alongs, Pop Culture Pasture, and I'm Dave. Cody's here. Mm-hmm. And uh, this show is, this episode in particular is the one where it kind of turned for me where a lot of the previous episodes felt like we were still fleshing out characters, which is a good thing. Like, we like good character development, uh, but this one was the one where it seemed like everything started to turn and the wheels started to move as far as far as the story goes. Because now we're seeing positions being taken and, frankly, you know, a little action. Oh, yeah. And no one wanting to help Raylan out the first time he asked. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Raylan, maybe in a position he's used to putting other people in, where he's the guy. Saying, 
hey, maybe we should do this by the book. <laughs> yep. <clears throat> but finding Detroit is the city primeval is, uh, you know, an Elmore Leonard fever dream of uh, maybe not so not so by the book things, but a deeper order and sense of uh, how things are done going on in the city. It's very much like a Western, uh, as you would expect from Justified, for sure, and anything with Timothy Oliphant. But also, there's some deep questions we get to explore in this episode, which is kind of cool, and we'll get to those in a bit. I want to start off with Skinder. <laughs> so... I I wondered last week, it seemed like, so you remember they're in the, there, Skender has shown him the, the, uh, the safe room. They've found the, the safe with guns and Skender keeps all his money on Venmo, which doesn't make Clement very happy. It happens to the best of us, really. (laughs) And I had to go back because I, because I felt like, oh man, I was pretty sure he killed him last week. That's why I told you before you watched it. I'm like, there's a twist. That was the twist. Yeah, that you were led to believe, oh, the this Oklahoma Wildman is going to kill him. Yeah. Not. Yeah. So he cocks the gun last week. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I was like, oh, he killed him. But then when you know we start off this week, I'm like, oh, he didn't kill him. Oh, he's just going to, you know. He's just going to pancake his leg with the uh, safe room door. Which I was like, yeah. Well, it's not very smart. <laughs> it's, it, but it fits in the chaotic nature of Clement. It very much does. Um, so, yeah, he, he starts off this episode. We get a grisly start to this episode with Clement pancaking Skinder's leg, forcing Sandy to do the dirty work by lowering the door. Poor Sandy. Um, played by an actress whose name I can't remember at the present time. That's why Cody's here. Cody's the one who uh, looks up the cast for me because my I'm terrible with names. If you if you listen to this podcast long enough, you'll realize I'm terrible with names. But she's doing amazing work because we'll, we'll definitely get to this later. I think it puts her in harm's way, but she definitely you see her cracking in this beginning, very beginning of this episode. So Adelaide. Clemens, as yeah. the Utes call her. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, she does a great job. Yeah, she's been wonderful, and she was great in this episode, and she's great now where she's getting to show this acting range of someone who, hey, she's in this with Clement. Obviously, she's his quote-unquote girlfriend, uh, whatever that means to them in their relationship, but she also has limits that Clement doesn't have. And right off the bat here, she's like, can't you just punch him in the face? <laughs> That's not how this works. No, and uh, but it seems like this would put her um, in an in awkward positions as the story moves on. Uh, she cannot stop him, however, and uh, Skinder gets his leg smashed flatter than a pancake. And uh, the next time we see him, he's being wheeled out of surgery. And the Alb- <laughs> there's a description of the Albanians catch, uh, carrying him like a clumsy Jesus. Mm. <laughs> Which, which I enjoyed, and and they kind of there's a couple more references to him being clumsy Jesus, uh, not in the anything he's done, but in the way the Albanians were were treating him. Yeah, as it's weird that he's some kind of an idiot, and all the Albanians know it. But there's a kind of a cool sense of loyalty and love among them that 
even though they know he's an idiot, he's our idiot, right? And love the excuse for how he broke his leg or flammed it. Oh, what was that? I, I forget. He fell down the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> clumsy, because he's clumsy, right? Clumsy Jesus. It happens to the best of us again. <laughs> uh, that was one of the, the better aspects of the show, I thought, too. I really, I really like stories. This is why mob stories in particular are fascinating to me. Because there is this sense of a community bond that can't be broken, right? Unless... It, there's only one thing betrayal right mm-hmm. uh a lack of loyalty so there's this loyalty this bond of loyalty is super strong in these type of settings and it's always super fascinating because nobody likes the guy that's clear um so it definitely puts especially organized crime families in um kind of this paradoxical situation where like oh they'll break your kneecap for looking at you wrong or looking at them wrong and yet oh there's loyalty amongst the family Mm -hmm. even if the family is not always on the up and up and so it's like oh even the worst of us does have some decency and humanity and maybe even more so than the quote unquote best of us. Yeah. Yeah. So that all of that is super fascinating to me, but that you get that a lot in mob mafia type stories. It was an ongoing theme in, in Sopranos. Um, if you watch that on HBO over the years. Um, so let's go back to Clement. <clears throat> Clement uh, sure seems like he's in control, right? Of, of the, of the board here. He seems kind of untouchable. Like that, that nobody can quite get to him. He's got the Albanians tearing up the city for him. Yeah. Uh, DPD, Detroit Police Department, and the feds, Rayland, uh, don't really have any alternative but to like kind of go to the Albanians. And uh, that's an interesting meeting, too, because Rayland takes uh, Norbert with him. Norbert Brill. Who? <laughs> As soon as he said, I'll come along, I'm like, no, no, don't take him. He's a wild card. <laughs> Old Norb. <laughs> no, don't take him. And I was right because he is doing things maybe the old Raylan way where uh, he straight up gives the guy's name to the Albanians mm. in the meeting. And they have this discussion out in the hallway afterwards. It's really interesting because he says, we just want them off the streets, right? Who cares if we get them, we get them, or the Albanians cut them up into little pieces? Yeah. Yeah, so he's a by any means necessary, which is interesting because that's the way Raylan's used, used to be. And so maybe we're getting this, like, maybe his character. I, I kind of wondered why we were getting this guy in the DPD other than he's kind of a um, a trope in and of himself. But I kind of wondered why he was so over the top. But maybe he's just there to show us how much Raylan has grown. Yeah, although I don't think Raylan would have started off with, I'm going to tell you his name. Like, after several attempts, it's like, okay, here you go. Yeah, do we feel like he could have gotten there still? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that, probably. 
Um, but it's interesting nonetheless for them to have that conversation out there. Um, but back to Clement Manziel, he seems like he's in control. He's got everyone on the run. He's rolling around in tidy whitey whiteies in a kimono, living it up in a penthouse. <laughs> um, his fashion sense is on style. He's got to lose. He's got to lose those tidy whiteies, man. Yeah. I'm, my wife was like, do they even sell those anymore? I was like, I, I don't think so. Well, if you're shopping where Clement shopping, you betcha. I mean, maybe there's like one K- Kmart left. And because it's a relic of the 80s, they still sell tidy whiteies. I don't know. But tidy whiteies are gross. I've decided that. How, how did we ever wear those? I didn't. You never wore tidy whiteies. Never. You never had a pair of tidy whiteies. Not like. No, by then they were either in color or boxer briefs were on the up and up. You're so young. Like, listen, there's a time when you go into the store and tidy whiteies are all that they got. Unless you're buying like a boxer, a pair of nice boxers that you buy one for the same price as the entire pack of the tidy whiteies. Yeah, it happens. Yeah. It was a good day. It was a good day for Dave when he threw away for the last time all of his tidy whities now you're imagining me in tidy whities aren't you i'm sorry <laughs> i have nothing to say about that but <laughs> like look boyd holbrick the actor who plays clement manzel is a good looking dude and even he looks nasty in tidy whities <laughs> i think it says uh, it plays well with his character it does it does play well with his character, although I'm just a little dubious as to where he's getting these. <laughs> Look, is he going to the Goodwill? Where's he finding these? <laughs> Tell me they're not the same pair. Is he just wearing the same pair? <laughs> I haven't ruled it out. Uh, well, Clement, he's got the uh, he's got the Crooked Judge's Little Black Book, which, to be fair, is about the tropiest thing on this show. It's very Elmore Leonard, though. It's like a MacGuffin. Mm-hmm. And um, we don't really know much about it. When they open it up, all we see is numbers. Makes cash, sense to me. Cash numbers. My wife actually. I was, so I watch this show with my wife, and she she asked me, "Was like, so what's in the book?" I was like, "Numbers, no <laughs> number, money numbers." <laughs> um, but it's supposed to be like what they're inferring is is that maybe many of Detroit's high rollers were on the the judge's bankroll and they were probably paying their, the judge bribing the judge to get away with whatever illicit doings they were, they were wanting to get out of. Is that, is that what we're looking at? Um, potentially and, or the judge had done a favor for people in power and position and they owed him. Yeah. And, it's interesting that a judge, the judge kept this as protection. That would be the why you would have this. And so like, so you would feel bulletproof, but then um, there's a good lesson in here to know that like, well, he ran into chaos by the name of Clement Manziel. Well, if he would not have a stayed in the pay toll area way too long and B not paid the pay toll lady 
money to keep the gate down, <laughs> he might still be alive. But there, you know what I'm saying? There's a very much uh, Jamesian uh, don't make future plans kind of lesson in there. Oh, yeah. Because uh, uh, your your life may be required of you by Clement Manziel if you cross the wrong path. Um, but yeah, so the Black Book is a MacGuffin, and that's cool. It works in a, a, a setting like this where everyone is running all over the city looking for people, and he's in possession of this MacGuffin. Sandy, we talked about Sandy just briefly, but we'll we'll hit her again. She's struggling with Clement's sociopathiness, um, his psychotic uh, nature. This is the kind of the first episode where we see real big cracks in in their bond as far as what she's willing to be a part of. The question is, does she turn on him at some point, or does she die trying to help him? Yes. Yes. I don't think there's another option, but I've been wrong before. I'm very concerned about Sandy's future. Um, And it's only this episode, too, has made me kind of... I hadn't really cared about her character because I thought, well, if you're just willing to go along with this madman, then you're going to get what you get. That Whatever happens to you is going to happen. But seeing her uh, cracks this episode in what she... uh, In her sense of right and wrong... I'm I'm starting to develop a little a little sadness for her, especially as we see her numb herself mm-hmm. with uh, the the help of some illegal substances in this episode that they draw attention to and Clement draws attention to. Um, I feel bad for her because you get the feeling now that she understands where she's at, but she's stuck. Um, but at, at the same time. Is she really surprised that Clement would pancake Skinder's leg? Um, I mean, she's seen him at this point. He's unhinged. But she didn't see the the massacre. The judge incident, yeah. Didn't see the judge incident. Didn't see the incident with Sweetie. Mm-hmm. So, like, it. she knows he is capable, but, like, when you actually see it in action, it's still takes your breath away yeah i thought something bad was going to happen to her when she tells the truth to clement that maybe i didn't throw the gun into the river yeah yeah and she was being bold then yeah and gets to the point because clement immediately knows the cops don't have the gun that means he's probably pretty aware that that sweetie has it but he doesn't say anything about it, which, you know, we'll get back to that. I'm also worried about Sweetie. Uh, Raylan meets with the Albanian godfather <laughs> who appears to be in an old nursing home. Because family. Because family. He's was- part of the Fast and Furious. <laughs> Their whole conversation was a highlight of the show for me. Oh, yeah. Uh, he was great, especially once you get Norby out of there. Yeah, once Norbert was out of the room, we get one of these awesome. Uh, one of the best things about Justified the series was Raylan having a discussion with a hard person, right? And he's just Raylan's just so cool. He's calm, and he can have these discussions. And it's the the main counterpoint of Justified as a series. Is was always 
Like this is not, um, he's not Kojak. He's not Columbo. He's not Magnum P.I. He's not this lawman. It's not good versus evil in a sense, even though Raylan is usually good. But you find that Raylan himself is a is an agent of chaos. Yeah, he definitely isn't J.B. Fletcher. So, so when he's in these communiques, these engagements with people like the Albanian godfather, Toma is his name. Um, oh, man, it's just so engaging to watch. And it's magnetic. Um, but I want to get into something. One of my main things I wanted to talk about this episode was he starts talking about the Albanian. Toma starts talking about order and justice are not the same thing. Because quickly what you get in this conversation, which we hit on a little bit with Norbert giving him the name, is there are two styles of justice that we're talking about here that we want meted out. There's Raylan's style of justice, which Toma describes as order. Mm. And, and he says, no, 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 that's not justice. He says that justice is really no justice at all. It's only the satisfaction of a mandate for the appearance of order. But order and justice are not the same thing. Justice is meted out in accordance with the action it remedies. And in this case, justice requires more than the law is willing or able to provide. Now, my question for you, Cody, is do the Albanians have a more biblical sense of justice? Mm, Old Testament-y, maybe. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I think that your nephew's knee getting shattered is not above what the law can do. Like, if he turns in Clement... Clement's getting charged with murder. They already know that Clement's connected with a whole bunch of other things besides just squashing the dude's knee. So we're not too far gone at this point that, Mm. ah, Raylan's sense of justice actually works for this. But the the, the uncle thinks otherwise, so... (laughs) Yeah, so like it's interesting because some people would say, yes, this is a more biblical sense of justice in an Old Testament sense. It's very eye for an eye. Tooth right? for a tooth. Yeah. Um, he wants, he's saying what the what the Albanian guy is saying to Raylan is, no, 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 no. You, you can't just go lock this guy up your give him three meals a day and a cot to sleep on. And call that justice. Something needs to of equality needs to happen to him. That's how justice is. But here's the so it was a little bit. It was a bit tricky because in the Bible, uh, justice is a an actual rest, restoration. There's a restoration of what was broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and as humans, we can't do that. Right. Which is why we often go to like it seems like the best justice we can think of is to just do the same thing back to to the offending party. Um, but in a sense, the restoration in a Bible sense of justice leads to reconciliation. There's a reconciling. And Raylan's way is the only possible way there can be a reconciliation. Right. Um, how, do, how does Raylan put it? He needs to be in a small room to think about what he's done. (laughs) 
He's not wrong. And that's the same reason you're when you're a kid, you get sent to your room. Go think about what you've done. Because the only way we're going to reconcile this is if you change. Now, do people go to their little rooms to think about it for 30 years and not change? Oh, yeah, sure. That happens. My friend Clement might be one of them. He might be. And I think that's why everyone around Raylan is all for the other kind of justice. <laughs> um, but it's an interesting question. And it's a question that comes up in our world a lot about which justice which style of justice do we pursue? Yeah, and the show deals a lot with the the criminal justice system, whether it is effective, efficient, does what it should do. And in the real world setting, I'm, you have people that are anti the the typical prison or jail structure, really want more reformative things to happen and. Um, and so it's hitting on a lot of deep themes, this show. Yeah. And I love when shows land on this particular one, because as pastors um, who love pop culture and geeky things, we can have a conversation where you, the listener and watcher of this show may say, well, it just seems like we can't do justice. We're incapable of doing justice at all. And my answer to that would be, yeah, that's interesting, isn't it? It's interesting. Um. Moving on, let's talk about Sweetie. Sweetie, last episode, went to lawyer Carolyn and told him he had the gun, talked about, okay, what does this look like if we give this to the cops and get Clement out of our hair? But this episode, Clement approaches Sweetie, tells him he's got this black book and that he needs Sweetie. And in a sense... I think he's telling him the truth for now because he's he's Oklahoma wild man, right? He needs someone who knows Detroit to help him decipher the names, who's who these people are in the books, how the city works, and how they're going to blackmail or do whatever they do to get all this money. But I still feel really like Sweetie's in a lot of danger. Um, I, I, I feel like, well, yeah. Well, especially with the games that Sweetie may try to play yes especially once he knows the names that are in the book yep he's still playing you still know that he doesn't want anything much to do with clement but he's willing to to dance with the devil so to speak here because I, sweetie's interesting to me because his his actions make sense so the system doesn't work for him He's grown up in a place where upward social mobility is tied to very few things. And if you don't have the talents or the athleticism to pull off some of those things, you turn to the ones that are frowned upon by the rest of society. And by some miracle, you make it out of that and you start your own business that's legit, but you're still intertwined with a criminal element because you can't get fully out. The cops come trash up your establishment. The insurance company says they don't owe you anything because it was the cops, even though Theoretically speaking, you didn't really do anything wrong. Someone just stashed their weapon in your place. Mm-hmm. And so, they didn't even find it. Yeah. So Sweetie is a character uh, that we can that we can have a lot of empathy for and feel like, yeah, this is what it feels like. Like, listen, America, the United States, 
by by far in human history has created a something where you have the most upward social mobility you can give to your populace, but it's not perfect. And in no. Sweetie, you get to see you're getting a good idea of like, oh, how he's kind of stuck and why he keeps falling back into these schemes, right? One of these schemes will eventually work. Yeah, and lawyer Carolyn tells him, says, you're wading in murky waters. This is how you get bit. He even tries to throw her a lifeline. Yeah, and it's and she's right, too. Like, I'm, I'm super concerned about Sweetie. Uh, Sweetie. Sweetie and Sandy have become, like, two of my favorite characters on the show, and they're both in big-time danger. Uh, side note. When it comes to Raylan, this episode's the first episode without completely without Willa mm-hmm. because she got sent home, and it seemed to like ratchet up the action because now Raylan is loose. Uh, what uh, Carolyn mentions it in their conversation that he's unencumbered. He is, and that really seems to do wonders for the narrative, which makes again makes me wonder like why why was she a part of this narrative to begin with? Because. It shows the dichotomy that he's trying to balance of being an, a dad that actually loves and cares for his kid and someone that really is obsessed with his job. That's where he finds his meaning and purpose, and he spends way too much time with his job. And so something has to give. You can't do both things wholeheartedly. And so... Clearly, right now, he's still stuck in, I'm lawman Raylan Givens. I can't be dad of the year Raylan Givens. Yeah. Yeah. You're right, of course. It just, it just, ah, it makes me nervous that she's going to be a part of the story at some point moving forward. And I really don't want them to Kim Bauer her. I don't think they will. Okay. Um, Carolyn and Raylan have this interesting moment at the end of the show he is uh, afraid that she's in danger, which she probably is. And um, she, she, they bond a little bit. Yeah. But to backtrack, I mean, literally Albanians were following her. And then yes. he just has a friendly conversation at an underpass. <laughs> and I loved it. I'm like, who is this guy? It's Raylan. Yeah. Yeah. It was like it was like we just this was the first episode where we feel like we there was a little that little bit at the very beginning of the show where he's got they're on their way to uh, the camp to drop Will off or breaking someone some girl's nose. <laughs> but it seemed like Rayland wasn't unleashed in the until this episode. It was fun to have Raylan Rayland back. Mm-hmm. And yeah, we get to see that uh, when those the Albanians are following the lawyer, presumably to start pulling out teeth, I guess. That was gnarly. Yeah, so they're, much teeth. They're pulling out that poor girl's teeth. She hasn't seen Sandy in, in months. And she lied to Sandy. Slash, it sets up my favorite scene of after... Norby kills that one of the Albanians and Raylan's taking the other one out. You get Boyd Hallbrook driving by doing the finger gun. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, you go Boyd. Yeah. And again, there's a juxtaposition there. 
So you got Raylan leading the guy out in cuffs and the other guy face down in the street. And it's like, listen, that's that character, even though he's way more annoying and, and just not <laughs> he's way less likable than Raylan. They're juxtaposing. Hey, like, hey, this is your new Raylan's changed because he just did something old Raylan probably would have done. Justified. It's justified. He Raylan's older. He's also a dad. Yeah. So it, it, the whole episode culminates in this conversation with Carolyn and Raylan in his car. She brings him some bourbon. She presumably can't sleep because why would she? Not with Albanians out after you. And uh, we see the same sort of thing that Sweetie has where she stuck. She is. Because of the circumstances of the place she lives and the people she's grown up with. And in a lot of ways, there's the mirror of the Albanians to, uh, you know, the the African-American community in Detroit there, too, where they're bonded whether they like it or not in a lot of ways. And in this ways, in Sweetie and Carolyn's ways, it's, hey, they had natural connections you would make by growing up and being a part of their their city and their community. And now they're kind of stuck in a lot of those ways. Still blame Carolyn's ex. Yeah. Carolyn's ex, not, Which, not a great dude. I assume he's coming back soon. Yeah. Um, so we get this interesting conversation in the car. Carolyn and Raylan. Is, is there something romantic going on here? Are we supposed to be reading that? Um, I mean, I don't know. Serious romantic. Oh, no, no, no. Just because Raylan. This always happens with him. Yeah. Raylan. Raylan's sort of a himbo. You know, if you if you're a strong willed woman, he's probably attracted to you. Um. Yeah. So, yeah. I don't know. It, it doesn't go there. The show ends with them in the car, but they're they're definitely nice to each other, and you can tell there's some there's almost like a um I don't know what kind of energy you'd call it. Very flirtatious, yeah. risque. Yeah. It's interesting, Energy. but but Carolyn's the kind of lady that Raylan seems to like. Strong lady. Yeah. And uh, she does say something interesting about in their conversation. She says, I defend killers. That's what she has to do. We know that's not what she wants to do. She wants to be a judge. That also presents itself with Sweetie in this episode where they're discussing how to get unstuck. Mm-hmm. And it's all through this scheme of the black book that he tells Carolyn, lawyer Carolyn, that he ha- that Clement has. And maybe, maybe, just maybe, this is a way where she gets to be a judge, which is what she wanted. And that's her version of getting unstuck. Yeah, but she doesn't want to be dirty. Yeah. And that's the episode. And, man, it's uh, it was a very, it was a good episode. I think it might have been the best episode so far. But let's talk about, uh, we, we've kind of got a running thing now that we started last episode. Who is the most likely character to die after this episode Cody who's who's at the top of your charts um honestly I it's now between um Norbert and Maureen 
I'm oh, going man. with a cop is dying. I feel like Maureen would just be cruel at this point because she's such a little part of the story. And we the the biggest part of the story we got was to see show how wholesome her family is. Yep. <laughs> and to be like, oh, come on, don't kill her. Now, Norbert, I think everybody watching the show thinks this dude's going to die uh, because weirdly pop culture has a weird, especially police officer pop culture shows have a weird sense of karma. <laughs> and we all sense that Norbert's not a great dude. Um, he's not very likable. So we assume that something bad's going to happen to him at some point. Because we like to see overzealous cops, or maybe we don't like to see it. But the Hollywood people, in these kind of stories, the overzealous cop usually gets got. Although I think that it would be the Albanians and not Clement. That yeah. will do the getting of him. Mm-hmm. Um, but Maureen, it's 50-50 who does it. Yeah. I At the top of my list are probably Sandy and Sweetie. It's a tie. Um, but that's the obvious. Like that's Those are obvious tropey things, too. It's always the people connected to the psycho. Collateral damage. The collateral damage. And like, let, let's be fair. Sandy has, uh, you know, wrapped herself up in this and sweetie has at times, even though he was stuck, even though we described this situation where he was kind of stuck in this, um, he still made himself a part of bad things. And, and, and so we're rooting for those two characters. Uh, that's the sad part is you see how they've been stuck uh, in different ways, but I have a bad feeling something bad's going to happen to him, but I'm not. I also, I agree with you. I think a cop's going to, one of the cops is going to buy it by the farm as well. Um, who's the winner of this episode? It is Boyd Hallbrook. Yeah. Um, so a scene you didn't mention that sealed the deal. Mm-hmm. I didn't know I need needed a whole series of, Boyd Hallbrook just singing random songs, but I did. And <laughs> um, him singing Kokomo and dancing with Sweetie is the chef's kiss. Oh, man. Yeah. When he started singing, I was like, oh, no, he's going to kill Sweetie right now, isn't he? But no, he was just feeling playful, I guess. And it evidently worked because. It seemed like Sweetie let his guard down a little bit because he was like, what are you doing? And then, okay, I'll dance with you because we're going to get rich off this black book. Yeah. I'm going to go with Timothy Oliphant, the man, this episode, because I don't think we've made him a winner of the episode. I have. Have you? I hadn't. But this episode with the change of dynamic with his daughter out of the picture, it frees him up, uh, his character up in this episode and he goes full Raylan Givens, but with the depth of an aged Raylan Givens, who's learned things along the way and to watch him navigate these conversations, like uh, with the two Albanian guys following lawyer, Carolyn, uh, which you mentioned, which was a great scene. And also his, his conversation with Carolyn, his conversation with the Albanian boss. Um, They're just wonderful. He's amazing, and uh, he gets a chance to shine this episode with several of those kind of really uh, prime time conversations, and they were they were must watch television. This this episode for me 
really came through uh, for the first time, I think, in this series. I thought this was the best one. Who's the loser of the episode? Victor Williams. All right. Who's Victor Williams? Wendell. Wendell? Doggone or Wendell. It. When, are we gonna, when are they going to give Wendell something to do other than to say, I can't duck down. I'm 6'5". <laughs> I mean, I think I made him the loser last week, but this week... You just see him for like 10 seconds. Yeah, it is amazing, <clears throat> especially in the police department. You've got these like really recognizable character actors. Maureen would be another one um, who have such little parts so far. And you keep thinking, man, they've got this really recognizable actor, actress in that role. Are they going to are are those characters going to pay off at some point? So but yeah, Wendell continues to be. Unless they're just setting it up for him to die, and then I won't be ready. <laughs> um, oh, man. I had trouble coming up with a loser this episode. Um, I was going to say Skender just as a character because, man, he was just living the high life, you know, pretending to run his hot dog stand. You know, the, mo- the mo- don't forget there's money in the hot dog stand. That was, <laughs> that was yeah. an arrested development joke. But um yeah, but he gets like he got he got a couple of moments to really just in that very beginning shot to choose some scenery. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, he's throwing threats at Clem Clement. It's not a wise move, like my you're, friend. He's like, you're you're a dead man. So and he he delivers it in a way because he'd kind of been a goofball. And the way he delivered that line, I was like, Oh, okay. I see you. I see you, Skinder. Um, so man, loser of the episode. Yeah, I'm gonna go with I'm gonna kind of echo yours. The the sub the supporting cast of the Detroit Police Department, who we recognize are good actors and actresses who aren't really getting anything to do yet. Except Norbert. Except Norbert, who we don't like. <laughs> we wish we would get less of. Uh, but Maureen has like a line in this episode. We see her for about two seconds. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm I'm very worried about Maureen. Um, okay. How many Stetson's hats out of 10 would you give this episode? Nine. Yeah. It's good. I was thinking eight and a half in my head. Solid. This is an eight and a half episode. It went by too fast. I was sad it was over. Yeah. Because you finally get Clement actually like doing things that brings out his full character. Um, he doesn't just feel like we're still building, building. He's actually doing. And then you get Timothy Oliphant or Raylan being full-on Raylan. And then you're seeing more of the players at work and kind of where it might be going. And so yeah. I'm excited. Yeah, the, the story's moving forward. I think this is the episode we'll look back and and I'm hopeful we'll say uh, that this is episode four is where it really turned into a very pop culture pastor type show. We really like to do on watch alongs because the story starts moving forward. We've got interesting dynamics in the relationships, deep questions, deep things to ponder. were brought up in this episode, such as the justice, the differing styles of justice that are colliding here. And so all that was very interesting to talk about. Yeah, it's a great episode. I'm looking forward to next week. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, what'd you think of episode four, Justified City Primeval? Uh, do you think uh, Raylan and Carolyn are 
are are going to be romantic, uh, you know, together people. Or is this was that just two people who respect each other's profession um, hanging out and having a, a beverage? Yeah, it's one of those. It's interesting now they've they've ended the last two episodes on these moments of. Uh, you think this is heading a direction and I kind of wonder if we'll get something to subvert our expectations at the beginning of next episode. Like Carolyn just goes in the house and Raylan sleeps in his car. So yeah, I kind of wonder if that's not what's going to happen. Cause I, I did see on some discussion boards uh, about the show that they all think that they're romantic. And I'm like, oh, we didn't see that. I think that Carolyn would be the one that would have, stipulations in place like this doesn't feel ethical or right yeah Yeah. where Raylan again he blurs lines well and don't forget Carolyn's got some interesting things going on now with sweetie and the knowledge of the black book her possibility for her upward social mobility maybe she maybe just maybe she could be kind of sinister in this equation of well I'm gonna get close to the marshal and kind mm. of make sure I'm in a position where I don't look like I'm getting my hands dirty. I don't know. Could could be. Could be. Uh, what did you think of the episode? Thank you so much for listening. Blah, blah, blah. Subscribe. Blah, blah, blah. Review. All of that stuff. Follow us on Facebook. Um, we love you guys. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you soon. Pop Culture Pastor.